0: Are listening to Lockdown Chats with City of London Symphonia featuring Alexandra Wood in conversation with Dobrinka Tabathova. A very warm welcome. I'm Alexandra. I'm the leader and creative director of City of London Symphonia and today I'm chatting with the composer Dabrinka Tabathova. Thank you Dabrinka for joining me and giving your time. Thank you. It's so good to see you. It's lovely to see you too. Now, in the autumn of 2019, the orchestra undertook a little tour of cathedrals across the UK from Truro up to Liverpool. And we performed two of your pieces, in fact, in the concert. Uh, But the main event really was the last piece in which the cathedral choirs and the orchestra came together for centuries of meditations which you'd composed. And I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about the piece and about the inspiration behind it, please.
1: Oh, well, the tour is something that I've admired that the City of London Symphony have been doing for a number of years. So um, friends of mine like Gabriel Jackson have been part of it. And uh, to be part of that programme has been just fantastic. I think it's a really great idea and uh just such a nice spotlight on all of these amazing venues and very apt actually for our times you've got all the space of the large cathedral and you you can walk around it. it's it it was a really really special concept and tour to be part of and i managed to come to two of the performances in liverpool and in truro and Truro i have a, a lovely connection with already and for you to choose the centuries of meditations was even more special because it's a really special piece for me. It was written for the um, Three Choirs Festival in with the year that the festival was at Hereford and um, the piece was commissioned for the festival. The um, um, inspiration was the newly installed lights windows in the Audley Chapel of the Cathedral made by the amazing Tom Denny. So, as if by magic, <laughs> I have <laughs> the um, a few postcards of 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 those lights, so that um, they they all represent uh, different aspects of um, of the work of Thomas Traherne, who was a local poet and mystic, seventeenth uh, century. And um, Tom Denny um, took four of the main um, themes of the writings of uh, Traherne um in um in a collection of um centri- uh, centuries of meditations he calls them the the title of the the piece um they are a hundred meditations on how we as human can humans can find happiness in our lives and so the first one is nature so there's this kind of really vibrant green with uh, i don't know if you can see it there's a figure somewhere there's there's a figure kind of running through the fields And it was just such a such such a it's so vibrant so green so full of life and um uh, so the first movement of centuries of meditations with the music that i wrote was um uh, using text from traherne about nature and inspired visually by this kind of really vibrant green um and then the other movements um faith and love and community and it, the, one of the best parts of, about the piece was um, just reading through Traherne's writings. They're so uplifting, so warm, so positive, and also in, in the times that we're living through now, I think they're such good words, such wholesome and um, optimistic, sort of light-finding words. Um, and uh, th- they were very inspirational, and it was very important that I was consciously writing for a, for a young choir. It was the festival choir, which was made up of choristers from all the three cathedrals of the Three Choirs Festival. And then to have the choristers of the cathedrals of the City of London Symphonia tour perform this, again, this kind of vibrant youth optimism, hopefully believing in a brighter future kind of um, approach. That was really, really special.
0: It, well, it was a beautiful piece,
1: and we loved performing
0: performing it. It took on very different characters as well in the different cathedrals we went to, um, a different life almost in each cathedral. And but it's the first time as I've seen the the stained glass windows, and they oh, are really? stunning. Yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. stunning. I wondered, do you find that other works of, of arts, or maybe poetry or pictures or buildings, often inspire you when you're composing? And if so, is there a, like a particular source that you might return to, you know, one that you, you know is always going to fire those creative juices?
1: Yeah, oh, well, so many things. I think with anything creative, we try to channel a really... Um, distilled passion of what we do. So whether that's in architecture, whether that's in painting, um, for me, uh, an important inspiration is actually a landscape um, gardener uh, called Piet Oudolf. He's um, from the Netherlands and his work is just so recognizable. He's like a, a guru of the gardening world and so sensitive to the seasons, the seasonality of, of planting. So, the first time that I was in New York, um, not not the first time, but um, about 10 years ago when I was in New York and discovered the High Line, um, which is now a a tourist attraction, but back then wasn't particularly well known, um, immediately I recognized Pierre Adolf's signature of the grasses and the seasonality and letting plants just sort of have their full cycle of life and... uh, Um, it ended up being the inspiration for a a piece that I wrote about the High Line. So um, there's inspiration everywhere, absolutely.
0: And once you have that starting point, is there a sort of a main focus uh, when you're composing, uh, something that perhaps you obsess about uh, getting right, making sure it's perfect, or does that depend entirely on what you're writing and who you're writing for?
1: Oh, um, obsession is is a dangerous word with composers. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have that little <laughs> little, little demon inside us. <laughs> but um, for me, it's uh, a lot to do with structure. Uh, I feel very conscious that I'm responsible for the time that a performer or a listener is spending with my work in my oral world. So I feel very conscious of trying to get a, a, a strong structure. Either it's just very clearly defined or sort of has symmetry in it, or the exact opposite to have something that, that goes completely from one beginning into and, and transforms into something completely different. So to have that kind of um, outline of the, of the work is really important and then go in with the, with the material, with the details, with the shaping, the development. But for me, really the first step is structure. And is there, is there a particular
0: composer? who has made of a, a big impact on your musical language or, or maybe that you just really admire perhaps you love listening to their music but they haven't necessarily um sort of permeated into your into your language is that um
1: many <laughs> asking a composer who is your favorite composer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um uh, an important composer for me is messiaen just uh, for the uh the scope the transcendentality of the music the um again there's i think it's very very um very honest and very direct but at the same time quite abstract at times um the harmonic language is for me absolutely divine so i i i adore that kind of sonority and um uh, so in terms of the sound world, he would certainly be one of the main um, sonic inspirations. Um, structurally, probably Xenakis, um, who, is, uh, who uh, notoriously was an architect to begin with. So that sense of structure and of um, um, order in the music is just so audible. Um, and I had the great privilege to meet him as well so uh, yes in in France at a summer school and uh, I I shall forever remember that meeting and it was very special so uh, despite the fact that my music is very different to his um, I I still I admire him very much.
0: Now I may be completely wrong but I imagine that uh, kind of your composing life in lockdown is not uh, dissimilar from normal life. I mean, maybe not punctuated by as many performances, but in terms of the sort of daily creation of music, it stayed stayed pretty much the same. Um, And I'm sure uh, those listening or watching would love a glimpse, I would love (laughs) a glimpse into the, the daily life of a composer. I mean, do you have a routine a structure or are you is it sort of something you do when you when you when you feel you've got an idea yeah please tell us what what goes on in the life of a composer
1: um what i find the most challenging is switching gears from um i guess external and more extrovert life to the internal life of creation and composition so for me that's the constant struggle as a composer and something i'm still discovering how to do for myself. Because on the one side, you're at rehearsals, it's very busy, you're explaining, you, you, you have to be very open. Um, and then on the other side, creation, for me at least, is, is very internal, very private, very um, introvert work. And having this and that constantly changing in normal life is, is, can be quite tiring and draining. And I've been talking to some of my colleagues who, I guess, maybe have an office job and nine to five, five days a week. And I remember the first few weeks that we spoke, they were like, I can't find a rhythm. I don't know what to do with myself. How how do I get back this nine to five again? Um, again, I guess maybe it's the, the the structural thinking that I'm personally quite obsessed with. Um, and it took them about three or four weeks to find their rhythm within this new Reality that we have, and I'd say that's very similar to what, um, at least for me, composition is to find your rhythm back into creation. Um, And that can take weeks, really, of of, of just sort of slowly shutting the world off and then finding a really concentrated space. And then um, it, it can take months to be within that space very little um communication with the outside world not much of a social life but sort of constantly sort of working at your material and tearing things up and throwing them away and then going back in Um, i'd like to i'd love to say that i have a really set routine of doing things a certain way but um by the time you've you've come to be that concentrated um i can work through uh, a, a ten or more hour day straight um, really? yeah, yeah wow. uh, and and just really, really concentrated, but to reach that point it 's almost like you're yeah. kind of reaching a, a really deep state of meditation to yeah and it 's really intense and uh, yeah, and then slowly weaning yourself into normal life again, so it 's not. I'm not sure it's it's probably the most practical way of working <laughs> because it's so antisocial.
0: <laughs> but it obviously works. I mean, gosh, you've you've written so many amazing pieces. Are you working on something particular at the moment?
1: Uh, yes, I've just um, I've, there's been a string of um, a few percussion pieces. One for as part of the BBC Postcards from Composers project, and then another one for a friend of mine, Joby Burgess, for a tour that he's doing. Um, Of uh, a number of percussion pieces. So there's been a percussion focus, and then I'm completing a concerto for orchestra for the BBC Concert Orchestra, with whom I'm resident um, for the next season as well. Uh, So I've just completed the second movement, and I'm working on the final movement at the moment. And then there's a, a string of other things that I'm trying not to think about at the moment. I'm, I'm not very good at writing four or five pieces at the same time. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, but is is there something in there
0: that you're you, you really, really want to write and you haven't yet been asked? Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know, an opera or whatever. But is there is there that piece that you're just waiting for someone to say, "Please, Debrinka, can you?" Or that a person even that you're hoping one day commissions you.
1: Oh, well, I feel very lucky that I've worked with musicians who inspire me greatly and who we have an ongoing relationship with which is for me very important once you find out about the performers that you're writing for That's just the beginning. Then you can you can explore more and, and write and stretch them and they can stretch you So it's uh, it's only the beginning. So um, I I can't say that there's been anything I guess I, I try to make every project the, the project I would like it to be, um, mm. if that makes sense. So yes. uh, um, I, I'm not massively excited by opera for me to write at the moment. I think that the, the libretto has to be spot on and it has to be something that really resonates and is important. So. Um, um that, not that at the moment anyway <laughs> but uh yes uh, i love writing concerti r- love writing for soloist with an ensemble so um, if um the more of those that i get to write in the future the, the happier i would be <laughs>
0: it, it's been so lovely to talk to you jabrinka thank you i thought i'd just end by going back to the cathedral tour you mentioned um that we try quite hard to make the concert experience a little different in that the audience were encouraged to move around and maybe take a cushion with them and relax and enjoy the amazing architecture so that the building almost became part of the experience. And I wonder if, you know, in a perfect world, what would be your ultimate concert experience? Maybe venue-wise, maybe in format or, or the music being played. Is that, is
1: that an evil question? <laughs> oh, no, no, well, in a strange way, the, the cathedral tour was one of my- But you don't have to say yeah. this. <laughs> no, oh, seriously, seriously. I, I like being able to move around and I like how sensitive uh, the audience was to everybody else's experience, which I think is really, it, it, there's a poignancy to it that you know it's not just your own enjoyment that that you're responsible for, and it's not just the musicians that are responsible for the experience. You, as a as an audience member, have that responsibility by just enjoying it for yourself and being aware of of others, and moving around and exploring beautiful spaces. Amazing. Uh, the the other uh, thing I, I really enjoy is just being in the outdoors being somewhere um, that's uh, not closed, uh, roofed, but uh, I mean, there are weather implications with that, of course, (laughs) and acoustic ones, uh, which trying to get a beautiful acoustic in a massive open space is a very difficult thing. So uh, there is no perfect answer, which is why I think a cathedral is just, it's like like a massive, Forest really, so uh, it's it's a beautiful space and it has it has the acoustic you're not being rained on and you've got the space <laughs> so yeah perfect.
0: What a wonderful image on which to end the the forest the cathedral forest uh, thank you again to Brinka uh, for for joining us and please don't work too hard. not too many of those 10 hour stretches. Oh don't worry I'm,
1: I'm I'm having a good time as well thanks
0: <laughs> thank you ever so much. it's lovely to talk to you.
1: Likewise, thank you, Alex.